You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. From the field to the film room to the war room, we've got you covered every step of the way as the road to the draft starts right now on BGN Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the BGN Draft Show. Today, we are going to be breaking down the top prospects on the interior of the defensive line, a position the Eagles love to build through. Uh, spoiler alert, maybe not the best class for this, but we all know the Eagles like to go uh, spin their picks in the trenches. And so we'll talk about some of these guys that might go early, some day three potential picks. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by Dibes. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mr. Crockpot. Dibes, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we're talking about a, a class where the, the guy at the top, I absolutely love. I would trade up whatever it is just to get him in Philadelphia. After that, there is a big time uh, steep drop when it comes to talent with guys that have major red flags and question marks. Uh, but we're going to get into it. All right. And as usual, we're also joined by my co-host on Chalk Talk. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Mark, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. I'm doing better than my opinion is of this uh, this position group. That's not a great segue. But I, I don't love uh, this position group. Not one of my favorite positions to break down uh, this year for this draft. There is one exciting guy that Dives mentioned that I'm sure – We'll fill up about one third of the content of this podcast. <laughs> there's a lot more to talk about with him than anyone else, to be quite honest. But yeah, I, I don't love this group, but the Eagles have shown that they value this position highly. So it's incredibly likely that they're walking away with one of these guys. Well, Dibes and Mark both hinted at it. So let's go ahead uh, and we'll just talk about the exciting guy. It is Mazzy Smith, the defensive tackle oh. out of Michigan. <laughs> Oh, wait, that's not who you guys were talking about. Okay. 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 We'll stick. We'll stick with the exciting guy. Then it is Jalen Carter, uh, defensive tackle out of Georgia. He is the number one guy on all three of our boards and he's the number one guy on anybody's interior defensive line board this year. There's nobody else close. Um, he was a five-star prospect coming out of high school. He's the number 18 ranked player in his high school class. Uh, he played basketball in high school, and he was also a weightlifter. Uh, he was a rotational player for two years before becoming a full-time starter for Georgia in 2022, and then he was named first-team All-American despite missing two games. He is 6'3", uh, which is 59th percentile, 314 pounds, which is 74th percentile, and he's 22 years old. In 2022, he had 32 tackles, seven tackles for loss, three sacks, three passes defensed, and he forced two fumbles. He also had a 92.3 PFF grade, which was first among Power 5 interior defensive linemen. Um, when you watch him play, you just see he's so good in every aspect of his game, honestly. Uh, he's got a really quick first step and excellent body control. He's able to navigate around blockers really well. He's got a really good club slash swim move that he uses when he's a one gap defender as a pass rusher. That's kind of his go-to. Now he, you could say he's overly, overly reliant on that. Maybe he needs to develop some other moves, but that probably comes with time. Uh, he's lined up nearly everywhere between the tackles, a gap, B gap, heads up on centers, heads up on a uh, guard. He, he's been all over the place. Uh, he handles double teams really well in the running game. He's got a strong anchor there. And he's got a high motor. So there's some things. I mean, there's some technical refinement that can be had in his game. He could develop some more counter moves and things like that. But at the end of the day, Jalen Carter is a blue chip player. The question marks all come off the field. There's a lot of off the field red flags. There was a, everybody knows at the combine, there was a warrant 
issued for his arrest in relation to a car crash. Uh, so he went to go deal with that. And then he showed up to his pro day nine pounds over his combine weight and he wasn't able to finish his drills. So there's a lot of concerns off the field there. And I mean, we, we can talk about him and, and we may try to give it some context here, but at the end of the day, uh, I generally don't take into account medical red flags or character red flags when I do my rankings, because I don't have access to the medical information. I'm not able to sit in a room with these guys and talk to them. So just purely evaluating the player on the field. He's a blue chip player and a slam dunk top five pick in this class. Now, whether he will go there or not, I have no idea. And, you know, we could see teams not scared by him at all. We could see him tumbling down draft boards. And I know Dibes and I had, a, we were talking earlier and he said I, he was going to be mad if uh, Carter is on the board at 10 and the Eagles didn't take him. I, I don't know that I would be because, at that point, like if the Eagles have taken Jalen Carter off their board, that's fine with me. I, I, I trust them to make that decision, but talent wise, there's no denying he would be a slam dunk pick. So uh, you guys can chime in here on Carter. That's really all I have on him. Um, I think he's a really versatile player. It's just all about those off field concerns for me. Yeah. I mean, we, we were talking earlier, Mark presented the question, like which prospect would present the most amount of snaps or touches in the first round. It's Jalen Carter. Uh, you look at the need for the Eagles at that position. Uh, I see this guy filling right in, three down starter from the jump. Uh, he's got uh, a lightning quick first step, super strong hands, uh, ridiculous production, excellent versatility, can play anywhere along the defensive line. Uh, he can shed blockers against the run. Uh, like Shane said, there isn't much he can't do. Um, his move set is ridiculous. He's got a swim move that is outstanding. Uh, ridiculous twitch. Uh, his ability to just be a relentless pass rusher on the interior uh, makes him just one of those like future all-pro Aaron Donald, Warren Sapp-esque guys that can just change uh, a defense and make it go from here to here. Uh, this is a major impact player. Uh, I have been on the Jalen Carter train from the jump. And um, if he's just within reach, you know, for the Eagles at number 10 and they move up like seven to eight uh, for and it costs us a pick. Absolutely do it. I think this is a home run selection. I agree, Shane. If the medicals come out and there's like bigger concerns, I, that is a different uh, <laughs> uh, perspective for sure. But. Jalen Carter, hands down, uh, in Philadelphia would be a slam dunk. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Carter's definitely a top five prospect in this class. I have him lower than you guys. I think you guys have him one or two or three maybe. Um, I have him at number five. Uh, but he's very much uh, pretty un, you know, undeniably a top five prospect in this class. Uh, I think that I see a lot of Fletcher Cox, a lot of people – uh, have pointed to Ndamukong Su as as a college comparison. I think Cox makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. If you look at Cox's college stats, it's kind of similar to Jalen Carter, where uh, it's not as eye-popping as the tape is. The tape is a lot better than the stats are. The athletic profiles are actually pretty similar if you look at some of the, some of the traits that Cox and Carter both have. Um, so I, I think he makes a lot of sense for the Eagles. Cox would be a perfect mentor for him there uh, to, to figure some stuff out. I think he would unlock Jordan Davis in a lot of ways. But I think Shane put it greatly when he when he kind of said that if they don't take him, it's for stuff we don't know. Um, and I did have him at number three, um, right above Murphy and Tyree Wilson. But I had the same grade on all three of those guys. Uh, so once kind of the off the field concerns and mainly the conditioning concerns, happened in his in his pro day i dropped him to number five they still have the same grade so theoretically those three guys are in the same tier for me uh but that's why i'm slightly slightly lower than on carter than consensus but i think he's a playmaker in every facet you know he, he rushes the passer incredibly well he's really good in the run game uh something that a lot of people don't bring up and stuff like this he's got four pass knockdowns in his career i think he definitely has a knack for that throws his hands up and he's big enough to get his hands up there at six three at defensive tackle so uh jalen carter's a guy who i mean on the field, it's funny. I, I was I texted you guys about this today, but uh, you know, I was looking at my scouting reports from December or January, where I said feels like one of the safest top five picks in, in recent memory. 
doesn't hit the same now uh, when there's obviously the concerns surrounding him that there are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally lost what I was going to say. I had a, I had a really profound thing that I was going to say, but I talked for too long. Yeah. As, as usually happens, I just lost <laughs> it before I could make it known to people. So uh, we'll move on and I'll think, of, Oh no, I know what it was. I was going to say that whoever his agent is, he should have already fired because his agent should have told him like they knew that he was, they knew he was out of shape and he had gained weight by his pro day. His agent should have told him don't work out. And we're just going to say that with everything that's been going on, you've been dealing with that. You haven't been in the weight room, whatever. And we're going to schedule an alternate pro day a month from now. Like that's advice that he should have been given. Because honestly, if he doesn't show, because you look at the NFL, when all the stuff came out about his arrest, people talked about it, but it was like, eh, whatever. But then he shows up to his pro day, nine pounds overweight. And that's what made NFL teams bulk. That's what they care about. And he could have been protected from that by an agent that was worth his salt. So I don't know who his agent was, but they probably should have fired him uh, after his pro day. So anyways, uh, I think the Eagles certainly have the infrastructure to bring him in, regardless of what the concerns are. And I would feel good about it in, in terms of work ethic, things on the field. Now, off the field stuff, who knows? You never know what's going to happen with that. But um, anyways, let's go ahead and move on uh, from our number one to our number twos. Uh, for Mark and Dibes, they both have Kalijah Kansi out of Pitt at number two. I have him at number three. Uh, I have Brian Brissy from Clemson at two. And Mark and Dibes both have him at three. So uh, Dibes, I'll throw it to you first here. Let's talk about Kalijah Kansi first. So uh, aside from him having the measurables of Aaron Donald, uh, tell me what you like about Kalijah Kansi. Let's put the Aaron Donald stuff away because this guy's <laughs> not Aaron Donald. I, I'd never understood that. Um, I mean, he's only six foot. Uh, he doesn't uh, tick the physical boxes at the defensive tackle position. Uh, but, you know, what this guy does is he's a lead at attacking the passer. He's a high-end athlete. Uh, for the position. Um, and since 2020, he's got 31 tackles for loss and 12 and a half sacks. At the combine, he absolutely blew up. Uh, his athleticism was on full display, 467, 40 yard dash. That wasn't just among the best def defensive tackles this year, but one of the best times by defensive tackles ever. Uh, incredibly lean and light on the interior. And I mean that literally uh, because I think. Um, no, I'm thinking of Tui Pelotu. Never mind. I, never mind. I got these two mixed up. We'll talk to him, about him in a second uh, when it comes to uh, light on his feet. But Clyde uh, uh, Jacansi uh, is a pass rushing interior defender, uh, solid burst off the snap, uh, doesn't have a lot of mass, uh, struggles a bit against the run. And so he's probably going to be very limited from the jump in the NFL. I've got a round one grade on Clyde Jacansi. Uh, I think his fit alongside Jordan Davis is pretty interesting. Um, and that's about it. Uh, there's a steep drop when it comes to Jalen Carter to Kalijah Kansi. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of scouts have this guy like in their top 10, top 15. I don't buy it. Um, that's just me, though. So Kalijah Kansi out of pit. First round grade. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not if he's taken somewhere in the in the 20s, I think would be pretty fair. Uh, but outside of that, there is definitely some skepticism uh, with this guy when it comes to uh, being a three-down starter in the NFL. His his spider chart looks like Pac-Man. <laughs> you get if you're not watching on YouTube, I've got it up here. But if you're listening later, go to Mock Draftable and look up Kalijah Kansi's spider chart. His 40-yard dash and his 10-yard split are like all the way out, and everything else is just in the middle. I swear it looks like Pac-Man. It's an isosceles triangle. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not up on my triangles anymore. I, I believe that's a I, – I believe you're right. I don't know, though. I should know. <laughs> I tutor math, but I, I hate geometry. So, uh, Mark, talk to me about Clyde Jacansi. Uh I know you're, you're kind of down on really any defensive tackle in this class. It's not Jalen Carter, but tell me what you see about seeing Cansey. Yeah, I mean, I think Dibes touched on a lot of the things, and my concern is just are we talking about a two-down player? Like, are we not talking about a guy who can play on passing downs or third downs? Because if not, then, man, this is a really bad defensive tackle class because I think you can ask that question about pretty much 
almost every guy we're going to talk about. So those are their concerns, and I, I think Dives laid them out really well. I mean, people are going to say the Aaron Donald comp because he's undersized, because he's from Pitt, because he fits the athletic profile. But I, I would lean towards Ed Oliver, another undersized guy who came out as a big-time prospect. So um, that's where I would lean in terms of my player comp. I have him right outside of my first round. He's a, a second-round grade for me, but a high second-round grade. Yeah, I mean, he's got that the athleticism that Aaron Donald has the same college. So that's where a lot of it comes from. But the thing that's most concerning for me is just his arm length, 30 and five eighths inch arms. Like Aaron Donald was almost 33 inch arms. And that's a huge deal uh, when you're going to play undersized, you've got to at least be able to reach and grab guys and he can't do that. And so when I watch Cansey, I see a guy that he he's slippery and he's got to, he's able to shoot gaps into the backfield. He's going to really struggle in the running game. And I think as we see the NFL, as defenses have started to shift more to too high and offenses have started to pivot to running the ball more, like it's becoming a more important thing for defensive tackles and edges to be able to stop the run. And I just don't think that he can really do that. And so um, I, I think if you put him in an even front and you ask him to one gap and rush the passer, he's going to give you some good reps for that. But I just don't know how valuable it's going to be. If it's going to be valuable enough to cover up his deficiencies, against the runs. That's where a lot of my concerns for him come in. So, Okay, let's go on to uh, my number two, which is the number three for both of you guys. It's Brian Brissy out of Clemson. Um, Brissy was a five-star recruit. He was actually the number one player in his high school class. Uh, he had 35 sacks and 80 tackles for loss in high school while averaging a double-double in basketball. He went to Clemson, and in 2020, he was ACC Defensive Freshman of the Year, but then in 2021, he tore his ACL after he played in only four games. And then in 2022, the blows continued to come when his younger sister passed away from cancer. And so uh, Brian Brissy has had a tough college career. He started strong in 2020, has had been met with incredible adversity, uh, both on and off the field throughout his career. And so as you watch his tape in 2020, you just don't see it all there. And yet at the same time, it's like, how could it all be there with everything that was going on in his personal life and off of the field? So this is another guy that it would be huge to be able to sit down and talk to for teams to see where his head's at and to see, you know, all of those sorts of things that we can only speculate about and on and shouldn't even speculate about. But if you just look at the player, uh, he's huge. He's six, six, which is 94th percentile. At uh, 298 pounds, he ran a 4.8640, which was 93rd percentile, uh, and he had a 9.55 relative athletic score. This season, now he did deal with a shoulder injury some throughout the year as well, but he had 15 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, and two pass breakups. I think he's got a really explosive first step. He's got really good agility and speed. Clemson would use him in twists a lot to try to get him looping around free. Uh, he also brings a variety of pass rush moves. Uh, he utilizes them all to win the point of attack. Like I mentioned with Jalen Carter having like the go-to club move. Brissy doesn't have that. He uses a lot of different moves. I think he's pretty solid in the running game, and he can play from a lot of different alignments. Like they even used him as a zero technique in some light packages, like an NASCAR package as a pass rusher. However, he struggles if he's double teamed, especially on the front side of runs. So he's solid in the run game. He's not going to anchor against double teams. And it's because he gets too upright sometimes and he lets blockers get into his chest, which is easy to do when you're 6'6 playing on the interior. And so he just never put it all together in college for you know a myriad of reasons. And finally, you might have some durability concerns with the ACL in 2021, the shoulder injury in 2022. Uh, life doesn't get easier when you make the jump from the ACC to the NFL. So I think he projects best to an even front team as a penetrating three technique, uh, which is the same thing I would have said about Kalija Kansi. And honestly, it's the same thing I would have said about Jalen Carter, although Carter's more versatile. So um, that that's kind of what I think of Brissy. I think he's a swing for the fences that might be a strikeout. You never know. I think he's a, I think he's a high ceiling guy, but I do think he has a low floor if he can't put it all together. Uh, Mark, you liked Brissy, I think, a little more earlier in the year and have kind of fallen off of him. Maybe I'm maybe I'm remembering that wrong, but talk to me about Brissy. 
Yeah, I've never I've never been all that high on Brissy. Um, it, it was kind of a guy that I was expecting to to like because he was a Clemson defensive lineman. I mean, the measurables are all there. Uh, it, it's just uh, it, there's too many concerns with, with Brissy. I mean, he's got nine sacks and I think it's 26 games. Um, and this is a guy who has had an ACL injury, he's had a shoulder injury. Um, so there are injury concerns there. I just don't think the pass rushing bag is necessarily there. He's not dominant enough as a run stuffer to be uh, just in, just like a dominant two down guy who you plug in there like a Jordan Davis and expect him to be a top five run stuffer right away. Um, I I just have too many questions with Brzee, but I mean the measurables are all incredibly impressive. So he's a he's a you know a high second round grade for me. All right, Dibes, anything you want to add on? Uh, kind of like Mark, uh, I actually had really high expectations for Brazil coming into 2022, and the tape is just a mystery. Um, the the numbers, the surface stats don't pop off the page, but I've watched a lot of Clemson, and there are times last year where you watch him, and he is penetrating, swim moves, dominating, great burst off the line, and then like the next series, like you can't find him on the football field, and that's kind of like my summary of Brian Brzee is that he's just inconsistent. And uh, the, 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 um, the measurement measurables are all there. Six foot five, like great size uh, was one of the winners at the combine. I was really happy for him to see him run the fourth best 40 yard dash. Um, but he's got a lot, like you said, Shane, to put together at the next level. I have around one grade on him. I think someone's going to roll the dice. Um, I had Mark Schofield on my show last week. We were talking about guys that uh, you kind of like, but you want other teams to draft them because you're not in love with them. Brian Brzee is absolutely in that category. All right. Let's keep it rolling here. We're going to go to our number fours. Uh, for Mark and I, it is Tuli Tui Pelotu. He is number seven for Dibes. Uh, we'll start right there. Mark, why don't you talk to us first about Tuli Tui Pelotu, which is a mouthful. Well done. Yeah, he's... <laughs> He, he's kind of uh, the type of guy who I fall for way too often um, in, in terms of the defensive lineman. Um, 6'3", 266, but he weighed in at the combine. Definitely a tweener. Incredibly tiny in terms of weight to be a D-tackle. He probably needs to put some weight and strength on, but he's very young and raw, so that's extremely possible. He's not going to be 21 until after the draft. Uh, he had an incredible junior year to cap off his USC career, 13 and a half sacks, 22 tackles for loss, 56 pressures, and basically never came off the field. Uh, he played 733 snaps as a, as a junior, he had five and a half sacks and seven and a half tackles for loss in the year prior and actually had a better PFF grade as a sophomore than he did a as a junior. Uh, but he had an 82.4 combined PFF grade over his last two years as a starter. Uh, there's people that think he can play on the edge over tackles and that three technique. And I, I tend to agree. Uh, he's got a bag in, in terms of pass rushing moves to get around offensive linemen. He's very, very smooth, but I totally understand any ranking on Thule. He, he walks such a fine line of, of being a tweener and being versatile. Uh, I could end up being way too high on him or I could end up being way too low on him. Uh, my player comp would be DeMarvin Leal from last year, who we haven't really seen much of yet um, in Pittsburgh. Where that could work out. It could not work out. This guy I was really high on last year. Um, so it kind of makes sense that I'm similarly higher than consensus on Tui Pelodu here. Uh, it's, it's definitely a type that I fall for in terms of these tweener guys who have production for multiple years in college. Yeah, you look at him and, you know, what you said, what he did in college. This last year, he led the NCAA in sacks. He was second in tackles for loss. Um, he has rare versatility that I think makes him a fit for every single defense. Like he could play inside or outside in a 4-3. He could be a D-end in a 3-4. Uh, he cut weight and got more athletic in 2022, which showcased his ability to do both. And then he cut more weight for the combine, which makes me think he wants to be an edge at the next level, but he's still classified as an interior defensive lineman. Uh, we actually argued behind the scenes about whether we were going to include him in our edge rankings or our interior defensive lineman rankings uh, before settling here. But just know he can do a little bit of both. He converts speed to power really well, uh, but he just lacks length. I mean, as a defensive tackle, he's zeroth percentile in weight. 
He struggles as a tackler. He had a 31.4% missed tackle rate last season. And I, I don't trust him as a pure edge rusher. Like he can do it some, but he doesn't have the bend or the speed to win consistently. So I think he's going to have to either commit to being an early down player rushing off the edge, or he's going to have to put weight on and commit to being a late down player. I'm, I'm not sure he can do both. And so he's totally versatile. You could make him whatever you want to him to be. You're just going to have to have a plan for him. He's not a plug and play guy. You're going to have to figure out what's going to best suit him. And I'm not exactly sure what that is. I could see Seattle really liking him. I feel like I say that about a lot of people. Um, but I, I could see Seattle liking him as a prospect. Uh, they like kind of those tweener guys who they can get in a rotation. By the way, would not have made my top 10 edges. And I was kind of arguing that I would include him in the edge uh, yeah. rankings. So uh, he wouldn't have made my top 10. But I think he's probably more of an edge than a D-tackle. But it's it's really close. He's such a tweener. I see him as a 3-4 edge. That's how I see him. Um, mm-hmm. I, it, the weight just scares the hell out of me. Um, no, wait, are you saying a three, four D end? Yeah. Or, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, that's just how I see it. And, uh, I have major concerns about this guy, especially being a day two, uh, kind of, kind of pick, you know, he's going to be a mismatch, uh, in the NFL for sure, but it's going to take a, a, a defensive coordinator to really kind of mold this guy into what he wants. The good news is he's only 20 years old. So that, that's a good thing. A lot of these guys that uh, we have talked about on these shows, they come in 23, 24 years old at times. Uh, so there is that. But um, the production's great. You know, and, I, and I'm a guy who loves production, and uh, he has top-notch production, top-notch tape. Um, I'm just a little skeptical. Uh, add this guy into the other category of guys I don't really want the Eagles to draft. I could easily pass on this guy. Well, the Eagles already drafted his brother in the sixth round. I don't think Thule is going to make it to the sixth round, but maybe they could reunite the brothers. <laughs> or he could go to San Francisco. Did you know uh, uh, Talano Hufanga is his cousin? I, <laughs> I didn't know that till I, I just stumbled across that when I was reading an article about him, but I didn't realize they were related, but apparently they are. <laughs> so. Okay, uh, let's keep going here. We've got Dibes number four. He comes in at number five for me, number six for Mark. It is Gervin Dexter from Florida. At Dibes, I'll let you lead us off on Dexter. All right, Gervin Dexter was a massive recruit for the Florida Gators. Uh, a guy, uh, the opposite of Tui Pelotu. Um, he's a guy that has amazing measurables, uh, but just hasn't really met his full potential, hasn't really put it together. He was a five-star prospect, uh, versatile lineman uh, that I think can dominate in the modern era on the defensive line. Six foot six, 309 pounds, lean athletic frame, great length, uh, great power, high end, that high end length and explosiveness makes him, uh, a, gives him a really nice tool set for the NFL, especially when it comes to pass rushing. Uh, he just, those, all of those things, uh, he just haven't been unlocked yet. Uh, so I, I think this is a prospect that has a lot of physical tools um, that probably will get him drafted on day two. Uh, he still needs to kind of continue to develop uh, his skill set uh, and kind of unleash those rare physical traits. Uh, but this is a major prospect or major um, developmental prospect. Uh, that I think probably will go in that round three, maybe even round four area. Uh, that could be an enticing option for uh, a, a team in the NFL that would love a versatile piece with high-end tools to mold and develop at the next level. Yeah, he, he didn't actually play football until his junior year of high school, so he's relatively new to the game. He had 18 sacks as a senior in high school. Uh, but he's 6'6", 310 pounds, and he ran a 4.8840. Guys that big should not move that fast. And so he had a 9.7 relative athletic score. And very, you know, the athletic profile is incredible. You would like to see him put it all together more on the field. But again, he's very new to the position. So uh, doesn't have good pass rush plans if he doesn't just win with speed, which is a problem because he's often slow out of his stance. But He's a guy that I like, uh, maybe more than most. Uh, I have a second round grade on Dexter, and I, I just like 
the physical ability that he has along with realizing that he's raw being new to the game. Uh, if he really puts it all together, I think he could be an exciting player. So that's why I'm a little higher on him, uh, which funny I'm lower. I'm lower on him in my interior defensive line rankings than you are, but it sounds like I have a higher round grade on him. So uh, Mark, anything you want to add in on Dexter? No, not all that much. Uh, really good run stuffer. Uh, really good athleticism, really good measurables. You guys covered it all pretty much. All right. Let's keep it rolling here. Uh, with Mark and Dibes, you both have Keanu Benton at number five. He is my number eight. Uh, so let's talk about him. Mark, I'll throw it to you here first. Tell me what you like about Benton. He's one of those guys where it's like, I'm high on this guy. And then you realize when you look around, like you're seeing all these guys rank him in their top 40s and their top 30s. Like I think Solak has him as like a first rounder. Um, there, there's a lot of people out there who are like crazy, crazy high on Keanu Benson to the point where I was like, wait, am I low on Keanu Benson? Like I thought I liked him. And then, uh, so it's one of those situations, but six, three and a half, three Oh nine, eight, eight, nine RAS tested above. It's kind of a funny RAS RAS chart. If you pull it up, um, it, it's, it's eight, eight, nine. But if you look at it, it's like, wait, everything's kind of like average or above average, but then he, he tested really, really well in, in the broad jump and a couple of the agility drills. He has freakishly long arms um, six sacks, 11 QB hits this year, 49 pressures over the last two years, 83.5 PFF pass rush grades. He's got incredible hands. It's definitely the best part of his game. He just moves people with his hands. I mean, it's not even really, you know, using a lot of moves. It's just incredible handwork. He, he's played almost exactly the same amount of snaps in the A gap and the B gap. So he's very versatile. This is a guy who he's got the chance to be able to, to play nose tackle and switch around to play and stay on the field. Uh, he's got plays in the run game where he just straight up shoves the offensive lineman into the ball carrier. He can be a bit inconsistent, which makes like the incredible plays tantalizing because, you know, just do that more often. Uh, he started the last two years and has contributed the last three. He had a great senior bowl dominated one-on-ones at the senior bowl, which dogs can definitely touch on more than I can, but he's definitely been a riser throughout the process. Daniel Jeremiah this week actually just replaced Tuli Tuipolodo with Benton in his top 50. It was the only change he made someone outside of his top 50 into his top 50. And he put him up at like 46. So uh, something he pointed out was his effort and his instinct to get to the ball, especially when plays break down and on the backside of plays. You definitely notice that with Benton, but there's so much inconsistency there in his game that it makes it fully hard to buy in. All right. Dibes, uh, you want to chime in? You can talk about the senior bowl and what you've seen from Benton along the way. Yeah. Uh, when I did my preseason rankings of the defensive tackle position, Benton was not on that list. And just like Mark said, there's one of the high risers, of this draft. I don't have them in the top 40 or top 50. Uh, but I, I think it's worth mentioning because uh, what you, we saw at the senior bowl was just amazing quickness off the, off the line uh, on the interior. That's, that's kind of that with his size and everything uh, is a really intriguing package. Uh, like Mark said, I don't really have much more to add other than there's a high riser uh, that should be, uh, selected sometime around day two. Uh, I I remember thinking that he so he didn't have hardly any pass rushing value prior to this season. I, I if he was like if I was talking about him last year, I said he's just a nose tackle sort of guy, he's run stuffer. But he showed growth as a pass rusher this year, which is big uh, because if he can start to do that at the next level, all of a sudden he's a lot more valuable player. And so I do think that's why you've seen movement up. I'm, I've, I, I didn't realize he was actually going as high now on people's, you know, top fifties and stuff until Mark mentioned it. And that seems a little rich for my blood, but uh, I think he projects best into like an odd front still as like a zero or a one tech. Maybe if you're in an even front, you could use him as like a four eye, you know, just inside shoulder of the tackle and, and try to let him rush the passer a little bit from there. But uh, he's an interesting prospect, especially, like I said, if he could start to put all those pass rush moves together, it would really help him out. All right, we're going to throw to a quick break now. We are through our top five interior defensive linemen. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to go through number six through eight 
as well as a few honorable mentions on day three. So stay tuned. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We are back here on the BGN Draft Show, breaking down our top eight interior defensive lineman prospects. We are through the top five. We're going to bring it home with six through eight now. Uh, chiming in here at number six for me, uh, it is Mazi Smith. He is number eight for Dibes, unlisted for Mark. Uh, let's just talk about him first, and then we'll talk about Dibes number six. So uh, Smith, interior defensive lineman out of Michigan. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school who didn't really play until his junior year when he became a starter for Michigan. Uh, he is 6'3", 323 pounds, which is 87th percentile. He knocked out 34 reps on the bench press at the Combine, which is just incredible. Uh, he had 48 tackles in 2022, 2.5 tackles for loss, a half of a sack, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, 25 pressures, and he ranked top 10 in PFF stops metrics. Under my strengths for this guy, I just have written in all caps, powerful. That's it. That's the bullet point. I mean, he is he is heavy, and he is strong, and he is darn near impossible to move in the running game. Uh, he routinely drops anchor against double teams, and he's able to displace blockers into the run lanes. Like He is the epitome of how you steal a gap in the running game. If you want to go light boxes, you put Mazzy Smith in the middle and he makes the numbers work. And he, I think he's shown a little improvement year to year as a pass rusher, but that's not what you're drafting him for. You're drafting him to clog the middle. Uh, he's inconsistent play to play. Uh, sometimes he gets a little too upright and he'll get sealed out of plays. He can be a little slow out of his stance uh, off of the snap, which makes him not a good pass rusher. Uh, he is very much a work in progress in that department. Without develop, without significant development, he's only a two-down player in the NFL. But for those two downs, he's going to help solve your issues with playing light boxes against a team that wants to run the ball. So I think he's a good fit for a team that uh, runs an odd front. You can put him as your run-stuffing zero technique on first and second down, and you can get him off the field on third down and put somebody in that can run the pass, rush the passer. So... I like Mazzy Smith. He is a limited player, uh, but in the role that I project him to, I think he can do pretty well. 
Uh, Dibes, you have him at number eight. Uh, what did I miss on him? Anything you want to chime in on there? Not really. Uh, the, the athleticism is the cell. A Feldman freak. Uh, the, the athleticism definitely shows up on tape. Really good lateral agility. Uh, his uh, three cone uh, at his size is pretty impressive. Um, so that's kind of the sell here. I think he's a day two, day three kind of guy. Uh, another guy that fits in the category of I would probably be pretty meh if the Eagles were to select him. Um, uh, I had uh, Mark Schofield on, and he called Mozzie Smith the most underrated defensive tackle in the draft. So this guy has a lot of love from 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 the from the from the great one. So like Mark Schofield. So uh, I personally don't see it. Uh, but I put him on this list because there's kind of a bunch of guys that are on the same plateau here, and I thought I should give him a shout out. All right. Well, then let's talk about your number. Or my, Mark, did you have anything that you wanted to add in on Smith? He's not in your top eight, but uh, I just want to say I don't have a lot of hot takes this year. Like the, I usually during the first round, there's something I start yelling and screaming about and me and Shane get in an argument or whatever happens. It's, it gets crazy during the first round when I have these guys that I'm either way too high on or way too low on. I've got miles Murphy. I've got JSN, but I think like a lot of people like those guys. So it's not like I'm coming out of nowhere with that. Um, if Mozzie Smith goes in the first round, I am going to really make fun of that team because I, I do not think this guy is any potential to be a pass rusher in the NFL. Um, I, I think we saw with a lot of different guys over the last couple of years that, oh, we'll teach him pass rushing is not a strategy in the NFL. You, mm. you cannot come into the NFL at the next level with guys who are just incredible athletes and just learn how to pass rush. That is something that you have to come in with the ability to have some basis in. I don't see it with him. He's a good run stuffer for sure. All right, then, Dibes, let's talk about your number six. He's number seven for both Mark and I. It is Siaki Ika, the defensive tackle out of Baylor. It's got a really fun name to say. Uh, Dibes, talk to me about your guy. Killing it on the names, man. Doing well, doing well. Um, yeah, Ika is a, a huge six foot four, 358-pound nose tackle prospect, one of the rare athletes uh, in this class that can uh, stop the run and kind of do some damage in the past game. Uh, he's racked up 44, 45 pressures since the start of the 2021 season. Uh, he's a one-gap destroyer, comes downhill, attacks the pocket, um, doesn't have the versatility to move across the line like a Tui Pelotu or some of the other guys. Uh, this is more of a Jordan Davis type of prospect from last year um, that will you know, thrive as a nose tackle and really make others better around him at their respective positions. Uh, he get, gets off the line pretty quickly. Um, he uh, is a space eater. That's really what this guy is. Uh, he's one of the best in the class when it comes to holding double teams in the run game, maintaining position on the interior. He can absorb blocks. He's got great strength, great play strength. Um, um, yeah, he's, he's a guy that's going to win in a phone booth uh, but doesn't have a lot of good range. And uh, I think players like Siaki Ika will always have a place in the NFL with this amount of size. Uh, I don't know if he's a three-down starter at the next level, um, but I think he's got a true translatable skill set that will uh, have a place in the NFL. I've got a day two grade on Siaki Ika. Yeah. He was a uh, big 12 newcomer of the year in 2021. I thought he had a little bit of a down year in 2022. He's huge. He 94th percentile weight at the combine and he cut about 25 pounds for the combine to come in at 94th percentile. Like, I, I think that was a step in the right direction, but he played really heavy in college and it limited his ability to play snaps at uh, fifth percentile, 40 first percentile, 10 yard split, fourth percentile shuttle, he had a 2.6 relative athletic score. So, you know, I kind of view him in the same mold as Mozzie Smith, that he's a big run stuffer that I don't see a lot of pass rushing chops with personally. Um, so I kind of look at them the same. I think he's a zero or one technique on early downs in an odd front. Like I think he's an, he's a, he's a square, square peg that you can't try to stick in a round hole. He's only going to fit certain situations. Um, but, 
he can solve some problems for you when you want to play light boxes and nickel against 12 personnel and things like that. So uh, like you said, those guys are always going to have a place in the NFL. They're not going to be the superstars, but they've got a place for sure. Yeah. Mozzie Smith, Siaki Ika. These are not my type of guys, not my type <laughs> of prospect. Uh, the, the guys who I just don't see any pass rushing potential with. Uh, so uh, you could tell me Smith's a better prospect than Ika. I, I'm not going to argue that much with it. I have both of those guys as day three prospects outside of my top hundred. Um, so only the top six guys on my list here are, are guys that I have uh, first three round grades on or top hundred grades on. Yeah, I have Ika at 73 overall on my board. I have Ika at 101. Nice. And I have Mazzy Smith at 64, by the way. So they're kind of in that same tier for me. Okay, uh, let's go to our number eights. We've already talked about mine and dives, so we'll let Mark finish us out here. Mark, tell me about Kobe Turner and why he is number eight on your board. Honestly, I have uh, Mozzie Smith a spot above Kobe Turner, but I wanted to be different. So uh, I was like, you know what? I don't like these prospects anyway. So let me switch it around and be different than these guys. So we don't literally all have the exact same eight guys. If I would have had Smith on there, we would have had all the exact same eight. So uh, I, I stretched it out a little bit. Kobe, especially because he has a fun story, Kobe Turner. Uh, 6'2", 288, transferred from Richmond to Wake Forest and only played one year. He actually started his college career going to Richmond to major in music. Uh, he's a tremendous singer. Uh, there's some clips on Twitter. Very, you know, tremendous. Very, very good singer. I need Eagles to get him. I need to get him in a locker room with uh, Jordan Mailata. Uh, you stole my punchline. I said, oh, sorry. The, Eagle, the, Eagles, the Eagles might need to draft him to add to the Eagles Christmas song catalog. I know he's not an offensive lineman, but I mean, with pipes like that, you got to get him involved. Um, but uh, not only is he a good singer, he put up some pretty great tape in, in that one year. It's only one year of next level production. It's ACC, but uh, 93.1 run defense, PFF grade, and fourth in stop percentage versus the run. Uh, three sacks with 27 hurries and a 92.2 PFF grade overall. Um, 89 PFF pass rush grade, 14th amongst D tackles in total pressures. He plays with suddenness off the snap, powerful pop in his hands, can anchor down and clog up holes. Uh, really, really reads plays well, really intelligent player. A uh, bit of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and the problem is he's extremely tiny for a defensive tackle with extremely short T-Rex arms. Uh, and that's the reason he won't go in the top 100. That's the reason why Shane and Dives don't have him in here. Um, I, I think he plays bigger than he is, and I'd rather bet on his tape than guys like even Mozzie Smith or even Siaki Ika at a later round value. Um, or Moro Ajoma, just because I think his his tape was really good in the one year that he did have. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not all that bullish on, on Kobe Turner. Just thought it'd be fun to throw out that story. Yeah, we we should do we should do a podcast on like the all name, the all name team out of the prospects, because there's <laughs> some doozies this year. Siaki Ika, uh, Adi Tamiwa Adabare, Andre Yasevich. Kobe's a crowd pleaser in Philly. Yeah. <laughs> There's some there's some great names. I've been uh, I've been keeping my wife apprised of those, and she's like, "How do you even say those?" Caillou Blue Kelly, corner from Stanford's from from one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. There's some good ones in there this year. So, all right. Well, that rounds out our top eight interior defensive linemen. Not the best class uh, outside of Jalen Carter, who off field concerns aside, is a is a slam dunk pick. Uh, but. As we always do, I'll give you guys a shot here. If there's anybody that just barely missed that you want to give an honorable mention and a shout out to, uh, the floor is yours. Dives, lead us off if you've got any. Uh, Joquel and Roy is a guy that probably should get a shout out, but I don't want to do that. I'm going to go and talk about two day three guys. Uh, one, Mark just mentioned it, Moro Ajomo out of Texas. Uh, great run stuffer. Had the fourth highest run defensive grade in the country among defensive tackles last year. He's only 300 pounds, uh, but, you know, well-coached, well-polished player. Uh, day three guy that if you, you know, want to have a guy that can rotate on that defensive line and stop the run, Ojomo is your dude. And then lastly, a guy that actually, you know, worked out with the Eagles, uh, and that is Broderick Martin out of Western Kentucky. Uh, over seven-foot wingspan, uh, massive size. I think he's like six-foot-four, 337 pounds. Uh, he is a space eater, uh, had some really good PFF numbers. He's a fifth year senior, 
Uh, and yeah, I think there's a guy that has really good bursts off the snap and uh, definitely he was one of my most underrated defensive tackles in a video I made. Uh, and it was pretty interesting to see Martin get some time with the Eagles. Uh, so day three, go check those guys out. All right, Mark, is there any day three prospects or anybody you want to give an honorable mention shout out to? Yeah, Jonah Tavai from San Diego State. And it's, it's you know, his production is off the charts. If you look at 12 sacks this year at San Diego State and in 2021, he had 10 sacks. He had 86 pressures over the last two years. The problem is he had just an absolutely disastrous testing. I mean, he, he's 5'10". Yeah, so he's he's five ten two eighty three. Uh, that's that's questionable. Didn't twenty more pounds than Tui Pelotu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, the, the pounds are not the problem here. Uh, it's it's the five ten. Uh, that, that's the problem. It's also the twenty nine inch arms that are that are also the problem. So uh, a lot of a lot of problems for Tavai, but a lot of sacks over the last two years. He's got a nice bag uh, of pass rush grade. Yeah, PFF loves him. 92 PFF overall grade, 92.2 pass rush grade. And that's funny because I think PFF then also has him like, what, what, what do they have? Like 155th, it's like an ADP on here of like 206. And it's like, if you like him so much, put your money where your mouth is, PFF. Don't get scared off by short arms. At that height, he is nine and a half inches shorter than Andre Carter, who's an edge rusher. <laughs> Um, imagine Jonah Tavine lining up next to Jordan <laughs> Davis. <laughs> that's that's a funny picture that I'm not going to be able to get out of my head now. So, yeah. all right, well, that is going to wrap up our interior defensive line rankings. Uh, we've only got one position group left, and that is linebackers, which we'll be back for next week. Uh, but before we get there, later this week, we're going to have an all. Uh, whole first round mock draft out for you guys. We did one of those at the beginning of the process just to talk through how some needs have changed, some different things. So uh, coming up later this week, we will have a full first round mock draft. Next week will be linebacker rankings. And then the week of the draft, we will be talking about our guys, the guys we're higher on than other people. And maybe we'll get some arguments back and forth here. But that's what we've got in the road to the draft here to get you guys everything you need to know so you're fully prepared for the draft. So keep it tuned here to BGN Radio. Make sure you smash that subscribe button. Turn on notifications so you don't miss the next episode. Five-star ratings and reviews are always appreciated. Uh, you can follow these guys on Twitter, and I encourage you to do so. Go check out Dives and all of his draft work at Mr. Crockpot on Twitter. Go check out Mark on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. And, of course, if you're not following me, what are you doing? I've been in your inbox all draft season. Give me a follow on Twitter as well at half and half underscore TPL. And we will see you guys next time. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.